Yeah, he said he's on right now. He just sent me a picture of it. Hey, what's up, everybody? It is uh, your girl, Ida Rodriguez, and this is uh, Truth Serum. We are going to get right into it today because we have attorney Benjamin Crump and Van Lathan is going to be joining us. And Ben is a busy man right now because so many things have happened in the in the last developments have taken place in the last 24 hours. Ben, how are you? Uh, a little busy and tired, but I would not miss talking to you for anything in the world, sister. I love you so much. But I, listen, I, I want to just get to it because I just have... I've had so many people reach out to me because they knew you were going to be here today and uh, they had so many questions. So I just want you, I want to give you the floor. I want you to talk and let us know what the latest is and, uh, and please explain to the people what third degree, a charge of third degree murder means. Yes, ma'am. Uh, I, I just, again, I'm so proud of you, Ada. I always say that. I'm the teenager. You're, you're the light of the world in my eyes. Um, we represent the family of George Floyd, the brother who was face down in handcuffs and a police officer where his fellow officers had him restrained with his knee on his neck. And he kept that knee on his neck even though George said, I can't breathe. He kept it not one minute, two minutes, three minutes, four minutes, five minutes, six minutes, seven minutes, eight minutes, over eight minutes with a man pleading for life, Ada. I mean, begging just to breathe. Yeah. It's so unbelievable when you think about this horrific death and the fact that you had the lay people begging the police, you're going to kill them. There was an EMT lady who was a, a lay person out there saying, just let me check his post. She asked her about 16 times when you watch that film. And I keep saying eight minutes because I want people to understand just how devastating and how horrific his last minutes on this earth was. And that's why we believe with his family that these cops should have been charged with first degree murder. The breaking news is that they just arrested the police officer Chauvin, who had his knee on his neck, and seemed like when you watch that video, kept pressing down on him. I mean, yep. when he would ask to breathe, and you look at his face, and Ada, he's literally try, gasping for breath, trying to move his head. Every time he moved his head, the guy would put his knee harder, put more pressure on it. And so the family is relieved that he finally got arrested. They believe it took far too long since they had all that probable cause, but their official statement is they expected first degree murder. They want first degree murder and they want the other police officers to be arrested also. So, you know, I have to ask the questions on behalf of the people, right? They yeah. want, a lot of people are asking, did they arrest this man because they want to calm down the civil unrest that is happening, happening right now in the city? Or this is is this real, Ben? And I know you can only answer that from from the place of yeah. uh, where well, you stand. Yeah, and it's a very legitimate question, and I think it's the first. They absolutely arrested him today to try to calm down the civil unrest because the police, when they kill a, a unarmed person of color, or they kill a person of color in any regard, they normally take the investigation as long as they can take it. I mean, they were high behind that playbook, Ada, and keep saying that, oh, we can't release the video because it's an ongoing investigation. We can't comment because it's an ongoing investigation because they're hoping that we will forget about it and they can just sweep their death under the rug as if their life never mattered in the first place. But it's because the people saw that video and we couldn't unsee that video. And we witnessed the truth, Ada, and the truth hopefully will make sure we get justice, but we can't take it for granted because they were not going to arrest them at least right. time soon unless we did what we had to do. And I know, Ada, you're a real revolutionary. And uh, even though the family <laughs> was saying be peaceful uh, because we didn't want anybody else to get hurt or killed, 
It was the people disturbing the peace that made this happen. Well, I was saying a van is joining us, but I, I was going to say that we learned it from them. Uh, the Boston Tea Party, the Berlin Wall, the, you know, Martin Luther King said that rioting is the voice of the unheard. So this is this is very American to riot. I mean, people riot when their teams lose football games. They riot when they're upset about not winning the Super Bowl. I definitely think a black man being slaughtered and lynched in broad daylight is enough to, to, to riot over. Yeah, and two things, because you said something very profound. Uh, you know, riding is the voice and the language of the unheard. You know, the first protest actually started while George Floyd was alive, Van. It actually started right down the street when those people were protesting his uh, knee on his neck, saying, let him breathe, you're going to kill him. But they didn't hear them. And that's why you had to have all those people out there in Minneapolis doing what they did for us to finally be heard to say that George Floyd life mattered, that our lives matter, that lives matter because they were not hearing it. That's number one. And then number two, I just want to report because you are literally the first interview I know about. Everybody, man, MSNBC, CBS lined up, but I'm with my girl, my little sister first uh, to report the breaking news. We're taking custody of the body, even as we speak right now. And we're going to have Dr. Michael Biden, the noted uh, forensic pathologist uh, from New York, who's going to come and do an independent autopsy for the family because we still don't trust the Minneapolis Police Department or anybody connected with them because they lied on day one when they released that false police report that said he died of a medical condition and that he was threatening the officers and that he was violent. We've all seen these videos now at nauseum and thank yeah. God for technology. But nowhere, Ada, even when he puts the handcuffs on, he doesn't fight them with them putting the handcuffs on him, he never resisted. He never posed a threat. But that's what that first police report said. And if we didn't have the video, that police report would have stood as the gospel. So I want to welcome Van Lathan to the show. Hi, Van. Thank you hey, for being up? here. I appreciate it with such grace and uh and you know, one of the one of the disruptors for the culture. So I, I always want to have people on here that are going to be disruptors and advocates of change. How you doing? I'm as well as can be expected. Uh, you know what I mean? I think it's a tough time for everybody. So we were just talking about the officers being arrested. Now there's this uh, third degree uh, char charge. And, um, you know, I, I really want to walk through, walk people through, because I, I really just wanted to be, a, a, I just wanted to be here as a conduit. I can never speak from the perspective of a black man. And I think that it's important for people to understand what it does to the psyche of a human being to witness the murder of the reflection of yourself um, it, it, with such recklessness and such lack of humanity. So I, I can see that you are experiencing some things right now. I can see it. I feel it on everyone that I know. I just want you to, to share what you've been experiencing in this last week. Uh, well, obviously, there's a... Um there's a sense of hopelessness. There's a sense of uh, um, of despair, uh, but there's also there's an intensity of connection to this particular issue, to, to this particular uh, incidents that we're in, and maybe it has to do a lot with a concrete understanding uh, of your place in America. It's not that I had any illusions about that prior to this. I didn't. But I think double whammy of uh, the way COVID has ravaged our communities and the fact that we're still dealing with so many um, pernicious forces while this is going on, while we're left to stew in it, while we're left to kind of just have it dripping all over us, it's very difficult. Um, when you watch that particular video and you see the life coming out of somebody uh, as they're as they beg for their mother, um, it's absolutely
just no consideration for the fact that that's a human being. You, it really stuff stuff in your head. I'm not gonna lie. Like you, you start to wonder, not how much of this can we take, but how much of this should we take. And you guys spoke about something earlier that I think that's that's very important. The reason why we're in America right now is because there was a group of people that refused to pay their taxes until they had equal representation. They refused to be lorded over. Whatever you make of those men, slave owners as most of them were, um, there came a point to where they decided that no was going to be their answer to tyranny. And my question would be, in whatever way that we approach it, how and when are we going to answer no to tyranny? Um, and, 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 and that is the question I think every black American, every person from any group that's been marginalized or oppressed in America should be asking this. Uh, listen, I'm right there with you. Um, I want to just quickly, just briefly take us through some history, because when we talk about Oscar Grant, 2009, at the Fruitvale station, handcuffed on his stomach, shot, and the the officer was charged with second degree um, murder, manslaughter, and got off, was not, was, was not guilty. So I'm from Miami where my neighborhood burns because of McDuffie and Neville Johnson, because I grew up in the, in the hood. And so my high school burns and everything around me burns because we were tired of it back then. I was a child. I was a, a little kid. But back then they were tired of it. I, I, ben, when we think about this, why the, the hopelessness that rests with us is because the judicial system has never been in our favor. It was built on on the principles of white supremacy and has never been in our favor. What what can we do now to restore any sense of hope when it comes to these types of, with this situation? Listen, the last couple of weeks, Ahmaud Aubrey, Breonna Taylor, and George Floyd. It's not, a, it's not just one thing. We're dealing with constant trauma. You know, Ada, as I've talked with you before and, and Van, I write about in my book, Open Season, The Legalized Genocide of Colored People. I chose that title specifically because as a civil rights lawyer on the front line who worked all across America, it literally is the legalized genocide. They have made it legal to do what they do to our people. To say that, oh, we shot uh, Michael Brown while he was running away. Well, the police, that was legal. He could do that. Oh, we shot 12-year-old Tamir Rice while he was playing on the playground? It was legal. He could do that. Oh, Pamela Turner, we shot her while she was laying on her back screaming, I'm pregnant. It's legal. We can do that because they have to make it legal to try to make us think that there is some appropriateness about it. There is nothing appropriate about killing unarmed human beings because of the color of their skin, but the laws continue to try to legitimate it. I call it the intellectual justification of discrimination. And it has been in America from the inception when they had the three-fifths compromise. When you look back at the uh, debate and the legal, uh, what we call intent, they teach you about what the intent of the law when you're in law school. And three-fifths, they made it sound so noble what they were doing. Well, we're going to count the blacks as three-fifths. We really don't think they uh, even matter at all, but we want to count them as three-fifths because we at least want to acknowledge their existence. And that has been the mentality, whether it be Dred Scott decision, where they said there are no rights that a black man has that a white man is bound to respect. And so we're still dealing with this. And when you think about Eric Gardner, the reason why we cannot think that this system of justice is going to work for us because it is so much precedence out there that tells us it's not going to do it. And so, Ada, when you talk about the law specifically, when we're talking about this here, I have reason to be cautiously optimistic only because I know this video is so horrific in the matter of time that it lasted. I mean, it's deliberate that he kept his knee on his neck after the lady was begging, the uh, young man was begging. We count like seven people saying, get off of him. And so that's deliberate. So you just put a, a, a pen right there for that. And then talking about precedence, 
the reason why I'm also optimistic is this. We will overcome because our precedence is no matter what they try to do to us, we still overcome. Slavery couldn't stop us. Jim Crow couldn't stop us. Separate but equal couldn't stop us. Nothing could stop us. We're resilient. And we have to always remember that we're going to win. And that's why they do this stuff. I mean, that's why they make laws to try to keep us down because they know they have to go through extraordinary efforts to try to make us believe that we are not equal to them. When really, based on everything we overcame, it shows that we're really superior to them because they could not endure slavery. They could not endure Jim Crow. I mean, and, and you have to always think about that when you're fighting an argument. When I go into court, I keep thinking that this is going to be the day that they have to recognize the equality of people of color. Because I always wonder, Ada and Ben, you've heard me say this before. I asked jurors during jury selection, do you believe in Thomas Jefferson's words? Do you believe in this Declaration of Independence that say we hold these truths to be self-evident? that all men are created equally, that they're endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights that amongst them are life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Do you believe that for George Floyd? Or do you think that Derek Chauvin gets more consideration because he's a white police officer? Because if you do, then we can't win. We've already lost. So what we got to do is demand equality for George Floyd life. And every time they questioned, even for an iota of a second, whether George Floyd deserved to be treated like a human being, I don't care how big he was, I don't care how black he was, if for one second they try to say, well, maybe it was justifiable because he seemed very strong, then that's why we got to go back to Ella Baker and say, until white women cry about black boys being killed the same way they would cry about their own boys being killed, then there is no justice in America. I'll do you one better until they cry about black boys being killed like they cry about black dog about dogs being killed and animals being killed. Um because they, they were more outraged about that dog in Central Park than they were about that black man that whose life was a, was at risk. Yeah. Um, you want a third degree? I, I know I ain't going to leave until you t I tell you about third degree. So third okay. degree is this here. Uh, I, and I'll give you the textbook version of it. And then I'm going to tell you my interpretation. It deals with the, I, the snapshot. In, in Minnesota, whoever without intent to effect the death of any person causes the death of another by perpetrating uh, an act intimately dangerous to others and evidencing a depraved mind without regard for human life is guilty of murder in the third degree and may be sentenced or in prison no more than 25 years. The thing that worries us so much about that is like Amber Geiger, first degree murder charge, but they give her 10 years because Texas say it fluctuates. And so this guy not to be charged with first degree murder means that a judge, even once he's convicted, can come and say, well, he has no criminal history. This is the first offense. We're going to give him five years and we're going to give him 10 years where we know a band did that. Oh, band would get life in prison. So I know you got to go, but I got two more, two questions for you. There's a there there has been some recent developments that this officer was an undercover officer and worked in the same place that Floyd worked. So there's there's reason to believe that he knew who George Floyd was. What can you say to that? Uh, everything that the family has been informed, not only by the owner, but also people who work at that club with George. Everybody called him Floyd. Said that Floyd was the security guard, and and uh, dude. Um, Derek Chauvin, the police officer, was an off-duty police officer doing security at the same club at the same time. So the likelihood they knew each other is very great. If they find out that they did know each other, is there a 
uh, is there, and there's evidence of it, is there a possibility for those charges to be up to some sort of first degree premeditated? Yeah, and P. Frank Williams asked that same question, can the charges be upgraded? Absolutely. They can always upgrade the charges based on the evidence because pleadings in any case, whether criminal or civil, can always be upgraded or amended and to be consistent with the evidence. And so if the evidence say they knew each other, it could be upgraded. If the evidence says it was a conspiracy when they put out that false police report, it could be upgraded. If the evidence say once we hear the uh, body cam audio that they had and what they were saying, Van and Ada, if it's there where they making some off-color remarks, then they could be not only upgraded to felony murder for all those other officers in first degree for Chauvin, but also it could be a matter of a hate crime because it's going to be very interesting what they said, man, when they had the meeting on the net. Because they were communicating with each other in the course of those eight minutes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, that's the other question that I have. What about the other three officers being charged? Why haven't they been charged yet? And what is going on with that? You know, the family statement, I want to be clear. This is a strong black family. They keep it real. And when they do interviews, I tell the producers, uh, Van, I say, hey, these people grew up with George. They slept in the same bed. Y'all know how it is for black people and brown people with our existence in the world. We oftentimes grew up where we shared the bed with our brothers and sisters. And so literally, they took somebody from them that from where some of them was born, because he was older than Philonis and Rodney. And they all three said they were poor. They from the hood. They all slept in one bed together. Man, he said, I thought about how my brother would always make sure I was in the middle so I wouldn't fall off the bed. That's what Rodney said, his younger brother. And now to watch him do that, when Rodney and them giving interviews, they just talk about it like it's real. And so they said from the beginning, they expect the first degree and they want first degree. They are not content with third degree. They don't want this guy getting out anytime in his lifetime. So the, the other thing that I wanted to say was, and, and I know you gotta go, yeah. um, Alejandra Ocasio-Cortez made a, released her own quote about this. And she said that the reason why a lot of these politicians, I'll just say it, a lot of politicians are scared of the political power of the police. And that's why changes to hold them accountable for flagrant killings don't happen. That in itself is a scary problem. We shouldn't be intimidated out of holding our, uh, our people accountable for murder. So how much of that are we dealing with when it comes to witnesses? Because I know from the Sagan Penn case in San Diego, there were a lot of issues with police intimidation. And I, and I know you got to go. But I, I just think people need to realize what these witnesses and people are up against when you speak out against law enforcement within your community. You know, we were with Rock Nation talking about trying to have systematic responses, no matter if it's a high profile killing or it's just somebody who we will never hear of killed by the police. And the reason why we got to do that, Ada, is literally this here. Um, people who get power, they didn't get afraid to lose their little power for some reason. So they don't want the police killing. We got to show them that justice is to deny us justice as it is to hold police officers to justice. And until we get to that point, the politicians won't do what Martin Luther King said, and I'll say this and then I will go. Because it's so appropriate when you think about what she said in that quote. The coward really does ask the question, is it safe before they act? And then, you know, then expediency asks the question, is it politically correct? Vanity asked, is it popular? But you got to have politicians who say, conscience asks, is it right? And we got to have politicians who say, no matter what, I want to do what's right. And yeah, the racist, conservative people are going to come after me. The police union going to come after me. But good people, and I still believe it's more of us than them. And I'm going to the white outrage to join in with the outrage that was seeing Breonna Taylor executed in her own apartment, Ahmaud Arbery, uh, killed jogging while black, and then 
George Floyd killed just breathing while black. You got sleeping while black, jogging while black, and breathing while black. And they talk about a coronavirus pandemic. We have been living on a pandemic of racism and discrimination. Well, I appreciate you, Ben. I thank you so much for joining me. I know you have work to do and you got to go deal with the family. So we, we send you with grace and, um, you know, I commission the angels over you daily. So be safe out there and I'll call you later. I love you, little sister. Love, love you, baby. Van, I appreciate your uh, patience in the moment because I, I, people are want to hear from you. I just wanted to get them out of the way because I know we have to go do that autopsy, but I wanted to continue having this conversation with you because mm-hmm. like, uh, it's very important to, to uh, talk to people like you who use your platform to, to hold people accountable as you know, we all know you've done um, <laughs> publicly and <laughs> eloquently. Uh, and with grace, because I, I don't know if I could be as uh, as eloquent and as kind as you are at times. But I wanted to ask you a question. What do you think true allyship is in this moment? Because so many people, um, you know, people are on telling people, oh, if you post it in your stories and you don't post it in this, then you're not really with us. But I, 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 to me, that seems like petty. I want to know what a real ally does in these moments from your mm. perspective. It's a great question. Uh, before... I, uh, before I get to that, I want to address something that, that Brother Crump said, um, and he is one of the bravest warriors that we have right now. But something struck me that he said. He said that he asked juror, jurors if they believe uh, in in what Thomas Jefferson said, you know, that all men are created equal and entitled to all that stuff. So I want people to understand something that Thomas Jefferson didn't even believe that. I know. <laughs> okay. So it, it, Thomas Jefferson, the architect of American equality, allowed his children to live in slavery. So Thomas Jefferson's kids that he had with a black woman whom he raped lived in slavery. Yeah. So if you want to understand the American system of oppression and discrimination that you're living inside of, consider that fact. The Declaration of Independence, which is a brilliant work, um, and Thomas Jefferson, who was a brilliant man, that wrote those things that seemingly bind us in a common thread of uh, equality and uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, was written by a dude who had kids who were slaves. Okay, so he didn't even believe that. So the America that we're talking about, the America that we're talking about existing in, it can't be any America that's based on anything from the past. It has to be us galvanizing to make a new America. That's right. It's not that the systems are working improperly. They're working exactly as intended. If we want different outcomes, we need different systems. And everything that we're going to have to do is going to have to affect that end, however you do that. Now, as far as as far as far allyship is concerned, anyone asking how to be a good ally, I'll give you a, a little hint on it. Allies speak with you. They do not speak for you. Yes. Okay? So if you are an ally, it is your job to amplify. Okay? You, you find someone that needs your help as an ally, from outside of the community, let's say you have access to something somebody else might not have. Let's say somebody just needs you to stand with them somewhere. Let's say somebody just needs you to listen, to understand, not to inject your privilege or your cultural paradigm or directives into whatever they're talking about. There are a lot of different ways to do it. If I was to see somebody post what I put on a story, I'm happy That's I'm right. to, tear, to tear people apart and and, and, and and kick everybody in the genitals when they're trying to help. I'm not interested in that. But what I'm also not interested in is anyone who really doesn't care pretending that they care because it's the trendy thing to do. A real ally will get their hands dirty on your behalf. Think about anybody you actually love and what you would be willing to do to make sure that they were safe. You know who you're an ally to? You're an ally to the people in your family. You're an ally to friends that you've known forever. 
You're an ally to all of those people because you will be willing to get your hands dirty, whatever dirty means to you, in order to make sure that they could breathe, they could sleep, and they could job. So, so if you're going to be an ally, don't speak for people and take it seriously. It is a big responsibility. I also wanted to ask you what you thought in terms of all of the people who were saying that the rioting is not the proper way to to that the, the proper response to this. Uh, people saying, you know, destroying your own community is not is not the answer. When we saw a lot of white people out there that were rioting and looting, and we even saw a white woman in a wheelchair that was stabbing black people who was not really uh, that was standing up or whatever. I would love to hear what you say to what would say what would you say to those people? It makes me so angry I start stuttering. Okay, a couple of things. Number one is that we don't own no Target, so that's not our community. Uh, <laughs> Target is Jackets Corporation. We don't own no Targets. That's not our community. That's the first thing. Secondly, is this? I saw a meme that somebody posted. Um, the meme was of the meme was of uh, Dr. King, our dear sister Rosa Parks, Abernathy, I think a couple other people. And the meme, and it showed them walking, not sure which protest it was from. At the bottom of it, it said, at the meme, it said, this is a protest. And at the bottom, it had the people in Minnesota, it said, this is a riot. And then they were like, look how ignorant it is, how people are acting. Here's the only problem with that. You see the guy in the middle of that picture, Martin Luther King Jr.? They blew his head off, okay, some years after that. They, the state, we're not stupid. We know how that happened. That's right. Blew his head off, knocked half of his jaw took a father away from their family, a husband away from his wife, and Martin Luther King away from us. So apparently, there's no appropriate way to do it, right? So, so uh, uh, apparently, it doesn't matter whether or not you come in complete turn the other cheek peace or whether or not you're ready to go to war because the outcome seems to be the same. Stop worrying about the tantrum or the response and concentrate on the problem if you have more of an issue with somebody carrying toilet paper out of target than the knee on a black man's neck then something's wrong with you and and you're sidetracking us because we know what you really mean to say we know what you're actually trying to say it's a non-starter and i would also tell black people or anybody that's into to trying to solve this problem don't be concerned about that type of sentiment ignore it Ignore that. Yeah. What we want peace. We want to deal with things in the most peaceful way that we can. But more than anything, more than we want peace, we want results. We want to be heard. We want to be seen. That's what we want, and that's what we're demanding. Yeah. So yeah, I, I mean, I grew up in a community that I told you that we had to watch. Um, People get murdered and there wasn't there were no cameras. They swept it under the rug. Now the names and the hashtags are now that we have hashtags. That was before they even had hashtags. And I sit down and I think about this. I'm a Ben laughs at me because I always say burn it all down because he's like you you too, too much of a revolutionary. And I don't think when we talk about this country, we talk about that. The, Jabuki, the comedian, tweeted this whole thing. He was like, the real American looting is you loot in Guatemala, you loot in Iran, you loot in Puerto Rico, you loot in the Congo. You know, and so we have these people who spoke out so much against Colin Kaepernick and talked about the, his knee protest. And now they're calling these people thugs. And, and Donald Trump shows himself every day. But I, I'm always a you know, I'm always going to be of the belief that he's the least dangerous of the pack because he's the clown, the dummy that we hear all day long. Meanwhile, Mitch McConnell and Barr do, are doing the dirty work. But so when we talk about these these fucking protests and, and these people, I mean, you you damned if you do, damned if you don't. If you take a knee and, you're, and you are peaceful, there's something wrong with you. If you burn down the target, when we talk about these protests, did you see the cops that they busted that were actually busting out the windows and they actually identified them, right? I, I believe that they are present in all of the protests. And what do you think about that? This is not, it's not an isolated incident in Minnesota. These motherfuckers are doing this everywhere that you see the, the riots in there and, and blaming it on the black people of the communities. Listen, uh, what you guys talked about before was real, the political power of the police, the lobby, that the police have on both sides, by the way, left or right. Yes. 
you can't really um, get much done if it looks like you're soft on crime. Um, or to be honest with you, if you want to do anything specifically for black or brown people, it's very hard uh, <laughs> to be an American political player. It's difficult. Um, there are a bunch of people that truly believe that uh, this is their country and we're just living in it. Um, so while it, you don't want to paint, I'm not going to go there. I don't give a damn about how they're painted. Like the reality is that where I'm from, uh, we live in a police state. Where I'm from, there is absolutely zero comfort when the cops show up. That's right. Same. There isn't any comfort when the cops show up. You don't feel safer when the police are there. Um, that's not to say that you don't need the police, and that's not to say that if you come home and your car's gone, that you wouldn't call the police. It's just not to say that. It's just to say that my heart rate goes up when I see the cops. Not that. Rightfully so. So, so for me, uh, there's no reason to believe in any case that there's any altruism on the part of the police department or that they're incapable of anything. Uh, we know that America has casted certain people in a villain role. And because they've casted those people in a villain role, they are invested into keeping them there. Now, there are a lot of things that we're going to have to address as communities to make sure that we're giving each other the necessary uh, resources to change our situation. And that's going to be us and us alone that have to address that, in my opinion. But at the same time, we also can't try to ignore what people are purposely fucking with us. That's right. There's no reason to turn to to to, to turn a blind eye to that. Um, so, yeah, I don't find that hard to believe at all. I don't find it hard to believe that people are going to take an outpouring of emotion and use it for their political um, and monetary gain on, on both sides of this. So what we have to do is try to maintain focus because even a focused rebellion uh, is effective. If you're going to rebel, like what we, what we really need to do is have some sort of objective to all of this. And to be honest with you, I don't know if what happens today with the indictment of the cop happens uh, unless last night happens. That's right. That's right. I agree with you. I mean, I think if you think about it, 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 first of all, there was the, there was not enough sufficient evidence to bring forth charges. Then that precinct burnt down, and then all of a sudden there was an arrest. So when right. people say that this is not effective and this is not happening, um, I, I do want to ask uh, the difficult questions because I feel like I'm, uh, sometimes I'm out here by myself. Me and me and Charlemagne had this conversation, and he got demonized for saying it. But uh, there, that's right. There is a uh, there is a an election coming and people are expecting that black people can vote they can show up and um and get rid of racists out of office in alabama they can show when black women can can have revolutionized america because we got to be the, the the everything was built on the, the backs of black people in this country and if we if we can't be honest about that then we can't have a conversation what do we how do we hold these politicians accountable because now the, the more ridiculous Donald Trump acts, the more we romanticize Joe Biden. But I, I'm always of the belief that what administration has actually been good to improve black and brown communities in history? So for me, what would be the, tra the, the drastic difference from Joe Biden being in office unless he is held accountable and is coming with something tangible that is going to improve the communities for black and brown people? I mean, it's that's the... Three trillion dollar question. The three to the three trillion dollar question is: I mean, part of being uh, black or brown in this country is that you're you're left with there are no good choices for you, right? It seems that way sometimes. Right. It seems like the only great choices for you are the ones that you can create for yourself. And in this case, you have um, unabashed white supremacy and racism, with what some would say is a more covert version. Uh, mm -hmm a more, uh, you know, a, a, a light, a diet version of it. Um, I can't see myself voting for Trump and I, and I can't see myself not voting. First of all, let me, let me clean that up. I wouldn't vote for Donald Trump if Jesus walked into the door right there, right now. <laughs> and said, look, I really need you to vote for Donald Trump. I got a plan. I'd be like, ah! <laughs> Same. I, yeah, I can't. I can't do it. And and since I will be voting, that tells you right now 
that I probably am voting uh, for Vice President Biden. And that has to do with the people that I believe can influence him. That has really that has to do with the people that I believe he has to listen to. Um, but I will say this. Well, black and brown people can no longer afford to be part of a political party. Okay. Now you vote your issues. I'm a liberal, right? I'm a liberal all the way to the left. You vote your issues. And if you, you stack your issues up and you find a candidate that reflects those issues and policy and practice, then you vote that candidate. But as far as being a part of the organizational structure of a political party, which yeah. black people have been as far as with the Democrats for a long time, I think that time is over. Um, because it, you, you shouldn't have to be a part of any party or you shouldn't want to go to any party where you got to sneak in the back door and where the bartender ignores you. You just shouldn't, you shouldn't do that. Like it's, if you want something, you have to be willing to walk away from a, from a negotiation. It's the way that. Right. Um, so I don't think that anyone is wrong for pressing the Biden administration or the Biden campaign. I guess the campaign is not the administration yet. No one's wrong for pressing them. I understand people saying, hey, I got in trouble for this. I said I'm not in trouble. I got scolded by the Instagram community for saying, hey, uh, if the Democrats can't support black people, then black people can't support the Democrats. That's right. Um, and I understand people that are so afraid of the white supremacists that are in uh, that are at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue right now that it scares them to hear right. somebody speak like that when there's only two candidates left. I get that. But at the same time, it can't be about them. It's got to be about us. That's right. It's got to be about what we want. It's got to be about what we want to do and how we want to do it. Um, so while I probably 99%, 100% will be voting blue uh, in November, I will say that I need something for that vote or else I have to set to try to destroy the Democratic Party uh, because I think the way that they're conning Black Americans actually might be more harmful uh, than ignoring them. So the Democrats have got to be allies. Like we yeah. said, they have to get their hands dirty on behalf of black people and working Americans. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I'm right there with you. I think it's important. And I, and I, you know, I've been watching to see what Joe Biden had to say about this. When we talk about black men um, going from the school to prisons, the prison, the, the, you know, I can't even talk right now because I've, I've been enraged for the last week sure, as everybody knows. Yeah. But, you know, like the we, we watch I'm a mother of a black son every day. Not not only do I have to worry about his safety from police officers and crime and every single aspect of it, because it's so profitable for black men are such a profitable business in this country. Right. Mm -hmm. You're you are still, um, you know, uh, cattle, if you will, is what we all are. But there's a specific specificity to the value in a black man when you can send them to prison or when they die or or a crime. So when we talk about these issues, people don't want to, nobody wants to fight the fight about what, what this is really about. Everybody wants to get in this romantic, the Democrats this and the Republicans freed the slaves. And I had Bakari on here last week and I had Tara Setmeyer and we talked about the political parties and what they meant. And I, I, for one, believe like they, we need a wash, right? Because I do think the Democrats have abused their relationships with black and brown people. They're still getting deported. COVID is still ravishing our, our, our communities. A 60 year old man in Fontana, Mexican man was murdered, was shot by the cops after they tasered, tasered him yesterday. That's why Fontana was rioting. So that's why I, I have to hold my people accountable for their anti-blackness to think that this is just a black issue because we next or we still, we are right there. We just don't get the headlines. So when we talk about allyship, when you said what you said, I, I, I want to, I'm going to cut that clip arena and we're going to put that out because that's truly what it's about. Now, what, how do we talk about solutions when we talk mm. about, because I, I feel like when you burn a target down, there is a solution because they respond to the loss of money more than they do to the loss of lives. Mm. Uh, solutions are about leverage. Right. Um, uh, and uh, I've said this before, I'll say it again. If somebody wants to see, I, I'll tell you what giving somebody power is. And sometimes this is tough. Think about the people who you've empowered in your life or 
that matter to you in your life. There's one common thread that all of those people have is that they can hurt you. Yeah. What I mean by that is your significant other. They can make you feel bad. Your, your kids after a certain point, anyone, your job, all of those people, right? All of these are people that they can do something and it can affect you. The easiest thing to ignore is someone who is insignificant to you. Um, not even somebody that you hate, just somebody who doesn't matter. Yeah. They hate you, doesn't matter. They feel good about you, they feel bad about you, it doesn't matter. True power is somebody else's ability to affect what's going on with you. That's why the Me Too movement worked. The Me Too movement worked to a degree because it was the first time women were able to levy consequence against men for their bad behavior. Okay, you want to grope me, touch me, say inappropriate things to me? Your legacy is done forever and you can't go work anywhere else. Who's the next person that's going to hire Matt Lauer? He's already rich, but the reality is he would all he would rather be on television right now. So we're empowered by their ability to level consequence. Solutions are going to be about the that part of it, the consequence part of it, and they're also going to be about the structures that we build. So it 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 it's possible that within what we're living in right now, there are no solutions. So let's come to terms with that. It's possible that society, the way it's presently constituted, that there's not an answer. Right. Even when we talk about George Floyd or Breonna Taylor or Ahmaud Arbery, remember that the justice that we're talking about, that isn't for them. That's for us. They're That's right. Okay? So they don't get any justice. They died unjustless, and it is that way for eternity. That's right. There's no rewind. The justice we're talking about is for us. It's so that we feel better and more harmonious, harmon harmoniously, shall I say, in tune with society, that there's some sense of this whole thing. So the, the solutions that we're talking about, they have to do with addressing policing, right? But there has to be something new. There would have to be oversight from somewhere else. It can't start from inside the department because inside the department is already diseased, all right? It has to do with economic, social, and political power. Power, the ability to exert power on someone. And the only way that black or brown people are going to be able to achieve that is solidarity. Yes. <laughs> solidarity is going to be the one thing that you prescribe to get people going to the same place. Like, we could we could really cripple target without burning it down. That's we right. By not going there. Like we could cripple so many of these different things by taking control of the economic infrastructure that we have and using it to our advantage. But we need what we need is clear-cut leadership. We don't need any buck dancing. We don't need any of the bourgeoisie getting in the way of people that are on the ground. We need clear-cut leadership and we need clear-cut planning. But it has it, it's a multi-front war. It's economic, it's social, and it's political. It involves reparations. Absolutely. These communities with capital. It involves a voting block, okay? And it also involves a little bit of us being willing to do for us. So all three of those things to me are good places to start. And there are a lot of people right now that are already doing that work. Do you, and one thing that I like to do is always uplift the people who do this work on a daily basis because I'm a stand-up comedian. I'm a, an actress. My TV show goes in the fall. I'm all set. But there are people who do this every day, all day long. And we glad, you know, like my, my I got in, in trouble, if you will, when I uh, was on the Young Turks and I said that Kanye West was not the leader of black people. Kanye West is a celebrity that uses his platform to speak out against or for whatever he is, but he is not leadership. There are people who are actually working every day to make a difference in people's communities. And when it comes to black and brown people, we 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 there's so much celebrity worship in this country that we we appoint these people to leadership that don't they really don't even know what's really happening. They're so far removed from it. There, are there any people that you like to, whose hmm. name you like to uplift? Philip Agnew, uh, uh, Tiffany Lofton from the NAACP. She's an organizer, not an activist. She told me to, to make sure I say that. She's an organizer, not an activist. I'm sorry, Tiff. Um, uh, obviously, Tamika Mallory. Yes, my, Tamika. Wait, let's say something about Tamika Mallory, my son and Linda. Every 
Everybody else is tweeting. They in Minnesota. Yes. <laughs> so and like like I'm tweeting. I'm enraged. I'm sad. But I did a podcast. They in Minnesota. That's right. So if you want to lift somebody up, pay for a night at the Travel Lodge for for Tamika or my son or somebody like that. Pay for them. Pay, keep them doing the stuff that they're doing. Keep them being disruptive because you can't be disruptive on an empty stomach. It needs to come from somewhere. They need energy, right? Priest Colores um, is good. Uh, another name that I want to put on everybody's um, tongue, Jason Wilson. Jason Wilson runs a, a, a transitional institute that's up in Detroit called the Cave of Adult. That place is doing is absolutely phenomenal. It's taking young men, his primary focus is young men, and teaching them emotional stability. It's getting rid of toxic masculinity, teaching them self-defense and self-worth. He is creating leaders mm -hmm. the purest way. 10, 11, 12-year-old boys that will become victims of the unjust community that they live in and making them into men and leaders. Can't say enough about that, brother. Gary Chambers from Baton Rouge, Walter McLaughlin from Baton Rouge, Blair Imani, to so many different people um, that are out there. But all of those people right there, support them. Make sure that they stay engaged. Make sure that they stay ready, that they stay having what they need. Uh, and then they'll work for you because they're already working for you. That's right. So we're going to at the end of the show, we're going to put up a, a graphic that is going to give the information to Black Lives Matter in uh, in in Minnesota right now to support them. And I would encourage you to support them financially because money does matter. And a lot of people don't really understand that when, when people start getting turned off about two things, I want to say people get turned off when you ask them for money. But do you understand how much money has gone to got gone into keeping you down? And you don't realize that it's going to take money to get that that proverbial knee out of your neck, yeah. literal at this point. And the other thing is jury duty. Like a lot of people are always trying to figure out a way on how to get out of jury duty. Yo, you're, you couldn't be writer. We oh, need it. Like, yeah, but like Brother Crump, the last time I talked to Brother Crump, oh, by the way, I don't want to leave out Colin Kaepernick and Nessa and the Know Your Rights camp. Uh, those are my people. That's my family. They need your support. They need your help. They're funding people in Minnesota too. Just real quick, Brother Crump talks about that all the time. Like, I, like if my cousin got a petty drug charge, I would feel a lot better knowing that some of the homies from the neighborhood were on the jury. That's all. Right. That's it. You, you couldn't be right. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate you taking the time to being uh, being here with us. You have a new podcast, and the podcast is called. Higher Learning is with me and Rachel Lindsay. It is on my home, The Ringer. Uh, the, the, it's not my home. It's Bill's home, but I, I work there. Um, but uh, it's a great new podcast, Black Culture, Sports, um, all of this stuff wrapped up into one. It's kind of an extension of what I was doing with The Red Pill. Uh, we stopped doing that podcast when I left that, organ that other organization. Uh, but, yeah, I'm excited to be talking about things that matter to me again. Um, I, so can I ask you this? What did you learn at TMZ that uh, you took with you? <laughs> um, Cause I say it from the perspective of watching your evolution and, and that be, not to be condescending cause we all evolve, but to watch you evolve and become this voice that people wanna listen to. You were uh, a part of, a, of an institution. You worked with it. You, you know, you rose to this fame for speaking for us, and you spoke up for the culture. What is it? What did you leave with that you took with you? Okay, might sound like a peculiar answer coming from a man from South Louisiana, from Baton Rouge, from the Deep South, who's experienced uh, these sort of things all his life. But you know what I really learned? I learned just what we're up against. Yeah, that's deep though. <laughs> that ain't, that's not peculiar. Yeah, I learned the degree to which we're up against it. And the forces both intentional and even scarier, unintentional, that preclude us from getting to the places that we wanna be, that stop us from going where we wanna go. 
Um, and it was, uh, uh, it was, there were a lot of tough lessons that were learned. Um, and there were a lot of things that I still have to come to terms with, but just know that when you cry, somebody gets paid. And when you're sad, somebody makes money. There's nothing that pays more than triggering people. Nothing. It's the most lucrative thing right now uh, in the world besides oil. Triggering people, manipulating them. Um, and so I've learned how I want to deal with that and how I want to combat that. And when it's done perniciously and when it's done on accident, it doesn't really matter. So what's next for you? Everything. Uh, um, right. Yeah, like everything. I have a book coming next year about my weight loss. I have a television show that we're working on. Shout out to the people over at Kimalat. Um, a, a, a lot of things are going on. Um, but more than anything, professionally, besides anything professionally that I want for me, what I've decided that what I want out of my life more than money or anything like that, or to see my name keep going up, is I just want peace. I want mental peace of mind for myself. Uh, and I want peace and serenity for my people. I want them to be breathe in and breathe out and express themselves without living in constant fear and trauma. And whatever it takes to work towards that end is what I'm gonna do. Well, hey, I want that too. And I, um, I work, daily for black and brown solidarity. No, I come from um, Puerto Rico and the Dominican Republic where anti-blackness and racism and, you know, we are, we just got colonized by a different uh, set of oppressors, but we still suffer the same traumas. And I just, I, it's important for me, for us to have these conversations. And like he said, if you're an ally, you know, you get in the way. I don't consider myself an ally because I consider myself the people. And I, I always claim my blackness. You know, to me, being an ally is being over there looking in. I'm right here because um, I, I, a, I was called the N-word my whole life. Uh, I went to school in Tallahassee. You know, they were like, you just... And my grandmother told me when I was little, you just a, you just a black person that speaks Spanish. Don't ever get it twisted. Don't let, <laughs> don't let them fool you. It just means the boat stopped early. So we... <laughs> We operate from a from a different understanding when we know where we come from. But I just think it's I think it's important for that solidarity. Those of you who are listening, invest your money in Black Lives Matter. Invest your money in the people who are out there doing the work. And uh, you, if you can buy some Yeezys and you can buy some Jordans and you can buy some some expensive clothes and jackets, then you can send some money to feed the people who are you know, going to jail. We're, we're trying to get bail money together right mm. now for people that are in Minnesota. So let's put our money where, the, where our mouths are because they definitely are. You are a shining light, Van. I wanna say thank you so much. Um, thank you. I really appreciate you. Listen to his podcast and uh, listen to the people who are actually doing the work. It's a lot of people doing this, but there are people who are really working to make the world a better place for us. And Wherever you go fight, I'll go fight with you. So just know that you got a new friend over here. I appreciate you. Um, I always say thank for you uh, all listening and watching. I appreciate y'all. Take it with you. Don't just watch. Go and spread the word. Remember the names that he told you. And tell, go look them up. Just like you look up Khloe Kardashian's no look, new look. Go look up you know, the people who are doing work for people who look like you. And... You know, stop skipping past the black businesses and going to the white businesses because you think white is better. We are worth it. All right. So thank you so much. I appreciate you, man. All right, y'all. So and this is the Black Lives Matter. So make sure that you follow and you support. Donate. You can donate through your phone um, and really, really become a part of the solution. Um, and listen, we do it for them all. Tamir Rice, Oscar Grant, McDuffie, Neville Johnson, uh, Sandra Bland, the list goes on. They are not forgotten and their deaths will not be in vain. The revolution will continue. It may not be, it may be televised or it may not be, but it will not end. I appreciate every single one of you. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Serum where we keep it straight with no chaser. Thank you to attorney Ben Crump. 
and to Van Lathan for joining us. And most importantly, every single one of you who have logged in and been a part of the journey. I love y'all. Have a beautiful day.